please be advised that the content in the Grave Tales podcast series is suitable for adults only. You're with Chris Adams and Helen Goltz for the Grave Tales, the series podcast. Today from the Grave Tales Bruce Highway volume, we look at Molly Thompson. On a chilly August morning in 1942, 24-year-old Molly Thompson was seen walking down the main street in Maribor in her pyjamas with no shoes. She was never seen alive again. What happened to Molly to this day remains a mystery, and the verdict on her death raises more questions than it answers. This is the mystery of Molly Thompson. And it is a mystery because, partly because of the time between now when we write and talk about it in 1942 when it happened. But as mm. you said, it was a, a mid-winter's morning in Maryborough uh, where it can get cold. Uh, Molly was seen walking down Bazaar Street by a lady called Violet Midson. Violet was cleaning the steps of the uh, council chambers. Mm. We had a look for those local council chambers and tr- were trying to guess which building it was. It, was. it wasn't easy to find. The details that we've gathered from newspapers and the inquest are, are not very specific, but what we do know is that Violet saw Mary Josephine Thompson, as she was properly named, everyone called her Molly, walking down Bazaar Street, six o'clock in the morning, uh, no shoes, pyjamas with just a very light top coat on. She saw her walk down Bazaar Street, uh, turning to the, towards the corner of Alice Street, which is taking her away from where she lives and towards the area end of town where the town's water supply is, a very large... Huge uh, water tower. Water tower. We know that happened and we know it was about six o'clock in the morning. Questions about this disappearance start from then. So what do we know about Molly? How old was she? What, was she tall? Was she small? Was she fair? Was she dark? She was 24. We don't know that much more about her than that. Mm-hmm. She lived at home with her mother and her auntie. Did she have any siblings? Uh, yeah, two brothers mm-hmm. and three married sisters. Mm-hmm. But the curiosities in this story begin right at the start. Uh, at the inquest and reported in a newspaper article, her mother said that she heard her leave home at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, Violet saw her at six walking down Bazaar Street, not carrying anything that we know about, disappeared round the corner, never seen again. And it was chilly. Oh, well, I mean, anywhere, you know, in the middle of August at three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning is cool. Yeah. What happened in those three hours, or were those three hours ever existent? Was that a discrepancy by her mother or Violet? Well, probably not Violet. Violet would have been at work, so she would have known what time she was at work. Yeah, well, we would we, never know yeah. um, whether that was correct or not. I mean, I suspect personally that the time that her mother gave was wrong. Uh, that she didn't leave home that early. But even so, where was she going or where had she been Mm. dressed like that at that hour of the morning? Mm. And then to totally disappear, there's got to be some explanation for that, Mm. but I don't know what it is. So uh, immediately, of course, a huge search was um, initiated for her. Another curiosity for me was that um, the local newspaper either couldn't or didn't uh, place much importance on this story at all. And isn't that odd? In a small town especially, if someone went missing, an attractive young woman as well, you'd think it'd be front page with photos and so forth. Yeah, well, in the, in the local paper the next morning, it rated only a couple of paragraphs on page two. Molly wasn't named. Um, they said uh, her parents were anxious as to her safety. Well, her father had been dead for 14 years. Mm. So her, yeah. her mother may have been yeah. anxious, but her father certainly wasn't. So that's just bad reporting. Um, no quotes from police, no interview with Molly's mother, 
No evidence of any attempt to locate and gather information from people. So basically, we've got a young woman who's gone missing in the early hours of the morning, a town that's putting very little emphasis on it for whatever reason that may be, but it is wartime. Well, a newspaper that's putting little emphasis on it. Uh, but, I mean, I'm sure the people of Maryborough were talking about it amongst themselves. Well, there was a big search, so clearly they absolutely action that. The other thing that you just mentioned, it was wartime, 1942, and uh, it may have been that the newspaper was under some censorship because mm. it existed. It was certainly used during uh, World War II. Even here in Australia, the censorship was applied to, to newspapers and those who were uh, running material. So that may have been all they were able to say, but we don't know that. It's not reported anywhere. I mean, it didn't improve. You'd think that the newspaper picking mm. coverage would pick up if she wasn't found. Well, it didn't. It went for uh, 10 days. After five days, Molly was named as the person that was missing, but it was mm. just a curious way the whole thing rolled out. Did she ever get a front page? No. Oh. But it was wartime again and there yeah. were big war stories around. And that area was a military base, wasn't it? There were certainly military personnel in town, yeah, both Army and RAAF. In fact, one of the people who was involved in this whole thing was her RAAF boyfriend, a fellow called Faye. A very, very little mention of him anywhere. And can I just mention too that I tried to contact um, descendants of Molly and couldn't find anyone who was either going to own to that or wanted to have a chat to us. And I, I did get a curt reply from someone saying, thank you, uh, we don't know anything else. The search continued. The river area was scoured, as were the air raid shelters that had been built in case of attack. The water tower that I mentioned before was examined three times during this 10-day mm. search and came up no result on three occasions. Now, what examined means, of course, we're not really sure. Does it mean that someone climbed up the ladder and stacked their head over and had a look in? Does it mean that they dragged it to find out if there was anything in there? We don't know that. Again, no more information available. But 10 days after she disappeared, 21st of August 1942, while the police were still engaged in searches all around town, a bloke called Fred Prickett, who was the council bloke in charge of the water tower, yeah. climbed the tower to fix something that wasn't working properly and found Molly's body. In the water, in, in the, the tower. In the water, in the tower, wow. 16 metres above the ground. Now, we've seen this tower, and if you have a chance to go to Maryborough, have a look at the water tower, it's large structure that is impossibly hard to get into. Especially then, when it was built in 1940, so it was only two years old at this point, the ladder that was constructed to get to the top of it didn't go all the way to the ground. So it, it was a safety precaution so that someone couldn't just jump on the ladder and climb yeah. it. Various reports say it finished between 7 and 10 feet from the ground. So we're talking uh, 3 to 4 metres. Mm. Uh, Molly it was 165 centimetres, 5 foot yeah. 5. So she's not going to be able to do any major leap up to the ladder. She needed something else to get up there. Oh. Next curiosity in this story is that, remember, there's been a search going on around town for 10 days. They've searched this water tower three mm. times, or they've examined it three times. Mm. They've been over every inch of ground, and yet it's now revealed that she, she would have needed something else to get to the bottom of the ladder. Mm. So she needed another ladder to stand on. And guess what? When Fred was on his way to, to fix whatever needed fixing, he found a five-foot wooden ladder, not the council ladder, but another ladder, lying on the ground at the bottom of the water tower. 
So now if it's been examined three times, mm. how come someone hasn't mm. found the ladder? And I mean, that's not only mentioned in the inquest, but it's mentioned in a, a Courier-Mail story about mm. this whole matter as well. But it's, what's interesting about that too is, okay, let's just say that she wasn't there the first time, she wasn't there the second time. Does that mean somebody's come back with her body, put the ladder up, carried her all the way up those stairs, body over their shoulder, and thrown her in the water tank where nobody has seen that in the middle of the night or early hours of the morning. They're physically strong enough to do that. Did they not check Poppy the first time and she's always been in there and then the ladder was just dumped there a ladder? Who knows? So this is the mystery of the whole thing. In the interest of trying to find a plausible explanation, let's imagine for a moment that what looks highly unlikely was possible, that she left home in her pyjamas without shoes, 3am on a winter's morning, maybe it was closer to 6 she went somewhere to pick up a five foot long ladder, managed to get to the top of it and reach the bottom rung of the tower steps and then climb up and throw herself into the water. And the next question is why? Yeah. Why did she do this? So, so what, why did she do this? What we know is that the police gave evidence at the inquiry saying that she was involved with a man of another religion and that she was concerned that they would never be able to be married because of the difference, the religious difference. And that was a big thing in those days, you know. Those intermarriages were frowned upon. Whether that was Sergeant Fay, who's been mentioned elsewhere, we don't know, because the police just said that was the case. In fact, the police went on further than that in the inquest and said that because of that situation, remarriage or no marriage, she developed a nervous condition. Mm. The nervous condition caused her to take her own life, and it was all her own doing. And that was an inquest finding? The inquest finding at the end was that she committed suicide. Mm. The government medical officer said death was due to one, suffocation, two, drowning. But there was never any further explanation as to why there are those two findings and how they relate to each other. Mm. The suffocation and then drowning. Drowning, yeah. He went on to say he couldn't find any bruising, lacerations or abrasions to her body. He was satisfied there were no suspicious circumstances and that the deceased, through her nervous conditions, uh, was entirely responsible for her own action. He said it would have been absolutely impossible for anyone to forcibly take the girl up the ladder at the side of the tank. Uh, he'd found that the girl was in love. Uh, she had professed this with a young man, but owing to uh, different beliefs between her and the man himself, it was considered impossible from her point of view that the marriage could take place. That was the mm. view of the government medical officer. Mm. Uh, the police view was, was similar to that. It's a drastic way to take your own life, isn't it? Well, let's look at some other things that happened. I mean, the day before uh, she, in inverted commas, took her own life, her own doctor, Dr Kenneth Hooper, examined her and was of the view that while she'd had a nervous condition for a couple of months, she was suffering badly from nerves, he said that, prescribed some treatment for that, but he also said there was nothing about her demeanour which would lead him to believe that she might do something rash, mm. in other words, take her own life. Uh, her mother gave evidence that she had been employed at Woolworths for approximately three years. She'd been working, uh, she was stable, she had a nervous rash, her mother said. Apart from that, she'd enjoyed good health, and yet this happened. And is written off by the coroner as suicide, and that's where it still lies. It's interesting, though. I'd love to know the culture at the time, the mood in town. You know, was it written off because that was easiest, or was there some shame about this, or was there some fear, or is there a conspiracy? We never heard much about her boyfriend again or never formal statement or a quote. It's almost like a bit of a hush-up. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know. But certainly what I'd like to know more about is, and if anybody knows and can help, is about the involvement of censorship. 
I've been a journo for a long time and I know when a story deserves prominence. And here is a 24-year-old young lady gone missing in the town of Maryborough. The whole town is searching for her. Police are scouring the whole place. They're examining the water tower and it gets about two pars on page two. Mm. Admittedly, there were some big war stories around at the time. But still, but it's it a just, big it just, story. It just smacks to me that for some reason the paper's been shut down. Mm. It could be that they couldn't get decent reporters and mm. you know that's why it was where it was and, and was quite incomplete. But it just doesn't add up to me. We know that censorship was used to protect public morale was the term that was used. So censorship inside Australia about Australian things was happening as well. Mm. The only other thing that could add to all this is that the Truth newspaper carried a report of a letter that Molly wrote to her mother in which she says she's worried that men stare at her wherever she goes. I don't know, perhaps she was concerned about people's perceptions of her morals Mm. or something like that. I know that her doctor uh, examined her and gave a letter to her mother in relation to that, those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, whether that was somehow involved, we'll never know because wow, it, it, it didn't come up again really apart from the, the truth. And they're not uh, staring because she's a beautiful young girl in the tower and Maribel's full of soldiers. soldiers yeah. There was one more curious event that took place in all this, and of course it would have struck the people of Maryborough that after they found Molly's body in their, their drinking water, that she'd been there for 10 days, and so there would have been a fair degree of decomposition oh, take yes. place. However, Fred revealed that prior to August 11, some water had run into the mains from the water tower, but for reasons he didn't mention, that a couple of days prior to August 11, the water had been shut off. So that presumably the whole time Molly's body was in that water tower, the water wasn't going into the mains from there. How fortunate. How fortunate. How suspiciously fortunate. Yes. So curiosity at every turn in mm. this yard, and it just doesn't seem to add up. Now, if you want to visit Molly's grave? In Maribyrnong Cemetery, you'll find her grave alongside that of her mother. If you want to talk about curiosities, there's another one there that her mother's grave just simply has on it, mother. And mother. Yeah, memory no of name. also mother. So Molly's in the monumental FR section, plot 108. Mm, very simple little grave. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah very humble. You've been listening to a story from Grave Tales, the series available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Music by Kai Ungles. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, or put together your own group and come along on our Great Ocean Road tour. <laughs>